Hello and welcome to episode one of Impact Up Podcast, Impact Trauma Recovery Podcast. Episode one, uh, and it is, it is my delight to bring to you this podcast, which is aimed at showing people who've gone through some amazing traumatic experiences and, and discussing how they've overcome it. And today I am honoured for the first episode of this podcast to be joined by my very good friend Stephen Woolley. So Stephen could you please introduce yourself to listeners please? Oh yeah yeah thanks for that um, Ian. Uh, yeah um, as, as you said I'm Steve Woolley um, and you want to talk about uh, trauma recovery. Um, uh, well nearly nearly 20 years ago I was in a very serious um, car accident um, and I'm very very lucky to, to be alive um, and yeah I'll um, I'm happily going to tell you about that yeah so we're looking forward to that and actually it's a really amazing story but before we get into the nitty-gritty of it because I have heard this story before and it is it is an incredible one uh are you happy to explain a little bit about your life and where you're at at the moment Stephen yeah happily yeah yeah um at the minute currently uh working um for an international law firm um I've been I relocated to the Midlands here in the UK um, at the end of 2019 and I work for an international law firm um, and I also am a uh, executive and career coach um, for people looking to obviously either transition their career or people looking to to make those next moves and stuff like that and we often sometimes find ourselves in these places where we're stumped, we're at hurdles, we don't know how to overcome them. Um, so I currently I do that um, as well as having a full-time job. I'm married, I've got two two young kids, two daughters who have been really great during this pandemic. Um, we've always had these times where we argue and we shout at one another uh, and stuff, but uh, if I sit back and I do do some thinking about it, they are... Uh, They've been really good for it and they, they've done really well. I'm glad the schools are back open. Um, and thanks to all the teachers up and down the country, all the emergency services, everybody that's played their part. It's been really good. So, yeah, I've got my two kids. Um, I've got two cats as well. They uh, were rescued. just like kids as well anyway, ain't they? The, yeah, these two cats are absolutely. They were, um, they were rescued. They're about two years old. You can probably see one in the background yeah. right now. Um, yeah, they were two years old. They were rescued, so we don't know their history, and uh, they're just sometimes as needy, if not more so, than the kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all cool. Um, so you don't know the history, so they could have been dogs before you. I'm not quite. I'm not quite sure they would have been dogs, but <laughs> hopefully not mistreated too badly. Yeah. Um, yeah. By dogs. Talk, um, talking about talking about kids and stuff like that through this time, they're, they're, they're resilient, aren't they, kids? But they 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 have an half had it hard. And they this this, this world it's and I think um, um, your two beautiful daughters they must have had it at, at, I I find a little bit a little bit tougher than my two because my two are very young you know too young to understand the difference between normal and what's not yeah. normal and it's just not normal of having face masks and stuff like that but yeah yeah I hope I'm glad I'm glad that they've done well through it because it can no, be tough because no, they, they don't see yeah. their friends and stuff today. That's it. You're absolutely right. It, 
I mean, Jessica, my eldest Jessica, she turns nine later this year. My youngest just turned five recently. Um, and I think you quite often forget or you get caught up in the, you're working from home, you've got meetings to do, you've got work to do, you've got mm. all that. You forget what it's like with for the kids not being at school. And when they are of school age, they do understand, particularly once they're into years twos and years three, they do understand that they can absorb information like an adult mm. um, and stuff, and they do appreciate what's going on. And then you've got to remember that they're without their friends their community the people they connect to we've all got zoom or mobile phones they don't have that they don't go to school to interact with their their peers as such and what is and what they learn from um so i think we don't give kids the credit but as you mm. say they are resilient and they've gone through this and hopefully none of them have been too too affected by what the lack of interaction with their peers mm. um and everyone will hopefully come through this we will it, it, we're at the time of this recording we are close i think to the um to the end is near of all this crazy lockdown experience um yes i hope so but uh, just before we go into this, uh, I'm all, also excited about your new venture, becoming this executive coach. Um, and I know you're on LinkedIn. If anyone's listening to this later on, uh, you want to you want to hook uh, Steve up. I can vouch for Steve. Um, we've had a few chats, and he's coached me through some barriers myself. He's got a wonderful way of language. He doesn't mind saying how it is, and that's what you need from a good executive coach. So if you want somebody to to give you a kick up the bum and maybe see the world in a different view he's probably the person to speak to so linkedin aren't you steve Stephen willie on linkedin yeah it is as well yeah thank you very much yeah. for that. that's all right so Stephen, right we are here today because you've got an incredible story and i know i've heard it a few times but i do love hearing it and the way you describe it is it's beautiful um <laughs> you know we can I, I hope you don't mind a bit that we can smile about it now because it was a long time ago wasn't it and it's it is is dealt with but um so Steve, uh, when when did this event happen? You said it was a car accident. When did it happen then? Uh, yeah, exactly. It was the first of December two thousand and two. Cool. So what's that? What? Not nineteen years ago. Been nineteen years this year. It was right. So how old were you then? I was twenty-one. Twenty-one. I thought he was actually younger than that. It's twenty-one. That's that's. Yeah, it was, it's the year I turned twenty-one. God, blimey! So what happened? So you're twenty-one years old. Yep. Where where had you just been? So you just been this out of having in a car, didn't it? Near yeah, where you used to live. I had I had been on a night out. Um, mm. I do add quickly. I wasn't driving. Yeah. And I'm not mean to say it that way, but yeah, I, I wasn't driving. I was a front seat passenger. Um, I'd been out with a friend um, and my uh, partner at the time. We'd been out in town, um, funny enough, up here in the Midlands, not far from where I live now. Mm. And we'd been out in town. I'd been drinking with my mate. I forget the occasion. Um, and my partner at the time, and she wasn't drinking. Um, and we'd been out. We'd had a good night um, and stuff like that. Um, and then I must admit, some of the details I don't remember mm. um, or can't remember for what for what I don't know um, but we'd had a good night and we were in that we were heading back to 
to, to my partners. My mate was coming along. He was in the back behind me. Um, and the it was it was early hours in the morning. I think it was say half twelve, uh, one in the morning, and we were down going through. It was all country lanes, as a lot of the roads are here in the Midlands. It was country lane. The weather was really bad. Um, it was obviously um, real dark down a country lane. There were, it was torrential rain um, and foggy and stuff like that. And as I say, I don't remember. This is mm. what I've read in the media and what family and friends told me. The car um, lost control um, on mud on the road or something and then uh, careered down the uh, farmer's uh, hedge. So I don't know if people are familiar with them, but the hedges or farmer's boundaries usually are wooden, wooden fences with three triangular wooden slats top middle bottom if you will Mm. um coming through and one of the wooden fence posts came through the windscreen of the car and went through my chest um through my left chest wall and out the back and pinned me to the car seat so straight through you straight through and 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 when you say straight through was it stuck there in you or did it go straight through no no so the car obviously went down through the hedge and the fence post came mm. through the windscreen uh, the middle fence post came through the windscreen and went straight through me into the chair and that's when the car came to a stop so it had pinned me straight into the chair um, the lower fence post had gone through the footwell and the the top post had gone uh, fortunately where it had hit the a pillar in the car it was a ford Mondeo, so i'll give it it was built well a strong car the the top well, I went straight up the A post. Fortunately, it didn't hit me in the head. Oh. I probably wouldn't be here to do the podcast if it had. Um, yeah, so, and it was the middle post that then had gone straight from me and pinned me to the chair, so I couldn't move. Jesus. Now, mate, so, so let's just take this back a bit. So what seat were you in, the passenger seat? Front passenger seat in the front passenger seat. So what do you reckon will contribute to this? The weather, the driver, was he hammered or anything like that? Or was it just... No, no, not lucky? at all. No, no, it was my ex-partner and she wasn't drinking. Oh, ex-partner, yeah. Ex-partner, so what? She it wasn't was just drinking. that bad weather. It was bad luck, bad weather. Mm. Um, bit of mud had got onto the road. It is country lanes yeah. um, where we was going down. Um, yeah, it was just bad luck. And that's mm. all I will put it down to. I don't I don't hold grudges. I don't, no. post, I don't have any blame here at all whatsoever. It well, they can be, but it's a, they're not well lit, are they? Some of these roads, and they're muddy. They're when lit. that water comes along, that they're is not it. Lit. There's no, there's no street lighting. I've been down back to the site many, many times, mm. many times, um, and there's no street lighting there whatsoever. God blimey! So, right before we go into a little bit further about what happened next, and thank you for this little pause here. But before we go into a little bit further, can you what point could you say about memory? about this uh, this event is there a specific point where you just it you can't remember or is it like the whole evening it's been taken almost like taken away from your mind what what would you say i think i think i'd have to say the latter there that the, the whole event has been taken out of my head mm. i think it's i think people telling me what's happened is what i recall yeah i don't I don't think I can actually remember it. Yeah. Which I've, I, 
I suppose is a good thing. And what do you, um, what was the last thing you do remember of that whole day? Like, yeah, do you know it's your memory? Uh, being in one of the pubs, I do remember that. Yeah. I remember how, I remember being in one of the pubs and there was a live DJ and I, I'm confident he was playing, which is an old song now, but people will know it, it was old hmm. um, Craig David Rewind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I remember, I remember hearing that. that coming on. And it was oh. every, and I think even back then, 19 years ago, it had already been played to the death for a few it years. It was played. It was played at my sixth form. And uh, it was um, when the crowd say, ball, select. It was it a boink. It was a little boink sound. And every time it went boink, everyone at sixth form in the uh, little common room we used to stick their <laughs> finger up going, boink. I remember that. So, yeah, back in when, when uh, yeah, Craig David was on the top of the charts. Yeah, so it was so, a long time ago. So no, your, I, do, I do remember that. Your memory then... Um, did it fade or did it just go? Do you think this is this was a? Um, I mean, I know it's hard hard to, to answer this question because it's about sort of psychology, neuroscience, all that sort of stuff. But do you think, as a protective measure, it decided to, you know, put a yes. block? Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it kind I of think, went. I'm not going to let you remember yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah, the mind. Uh, um, I've over the years, I've had all sorts of, um, you know. Uh, uh, I just call it flashbacks I've had, mm. um, post-traumatic stress I've had, yeah. um, all kinds of things. And I've looked into it. I've read up a bit about the mind and stuff. Um, and I totally believe that the mind has switched off that mm. for me on purpose. Um, whether the, my mind did it because it doesn't think I could handle it, yeah. um, I don't know. But it's done it to protect me. I isn't imagine. it fascinating isn't it fascinating absolutely your mind does it's that. incredible because one of the next things i do remember um is being in intensive care and that's the next mm. thing I, I remember which is then so, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about that in later. a minute because there's a there's an amazing bit isn't there coming up there's an amazing <laughs> bit now. There's a, my, few, there's, there's a bit more to the story. This is this is my this is my favourite bit. So come on then. So you're you're there and you're co- apparently so you, you've got this information from people. So apparently you're there conscious in a in a car. Not to start oh, with. Not no. to start off with. You're yes. unconscious, but you become so conscious. The yeah. So the fence post to so to talk about the accident. Um, what what happened? So. That was more of in a in a nutshell. I got impaled on a fence. So what happened? Where the car had come crashing through the the hedge and then come to a standstill. Um, my mate in the back, my mate Rob in the back, his seatbelt didn't hold, and he flew over the seat and pretty much headbutted me, um, and then by doing so put pushed my head out of the window, the closed window, um, shattering that, um, again, which I was really lucky to get away from. I have got a scar. You wouldn't be able to see it now. I've got a scar in the back of my head where my mate bit me. So he subsequently... Oh, my lost God. His... I thought you were going to say where the glass smashed, but where he, your uh, mate bit no, you so on the back he lost of the head. It, he lost his teeth, and I've got a big scar, like a bite mark from him, which I'll always have. Um, I've got... I was very lucky um, to where my, my head went through the window. I've got a scar down here, and that's all I got from that was a scar there. Um, mm. Apparently, when I was in 
the hospital, this whole side wasn't recognisable for the cuts, but for whatever reason, the body healed. I was really mm. lucky. So at that point, that's happened. So as you can imagine, I've gone bang. That's happened. My mates come over, smash me out there, and I'm hanging out the window. Um, and fortunately, and I do mean this fortunately, that my partner unscathed, mm. absolutely unscathed. Yeah. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, my mate, he was all right, but he lost his front teeth, but I also lost teeth through the impact um, and stuff like that. So the next bit, what happened again, this is what I've been told because I don't remember, is that apparently there was a car come towards which then the headlights lit up the event and my then partner was saying um okay oh no we've crashed elk blimey's everyone might get up and then there was no response the headlights then hit the car she turns around and sees me in the situation i was in and then my mate was unconscious on the back seat um he obviously came around quite quickly and then it was me um, the other car stopped. They started uh, to come over and try and find out. And then I gained consciousness. Mm. Um, I don't remember this, but they said I then put my feet on the f- dashboard of the of the, the Mondeo, and I pushed so sh- sh- strong backwards. I snapped the chair back, and I pulled the fence post out. So I then obviously just had a a hole my day so 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 did they say that you when you gained consciousness you saw this post sticking at you so yeah. you knew what you're doing and sort of thing you kind of like looked at it and say yeah. i don't want it in me anymore sort of thing yes, exactly how i reacted apparently um it's like got the you know and put my feet on the dashboard i leant back um pushed with all my might my feet on the dash and i snapped the back of the chair off and pulled the fence post out um what I didn't know either as well is that the car was apparently teetering on a on a little valley and stuff. So it's, like it's, worrying. it's like some Indiana Jones film, isn't it? It's, or, you know, or a nightmare. Yeah, street, yeah, yeah. Story. yeah. Um, how so thick that, is it? How thick was this post? Uh, if that is anything. Yeah, but that, that, is, that is a big... Sorry, you're showing us the camera like this big old triangle. Yeah, but that is a big, you know, you're yeah. saying, oh, that's it. That yeah. that hole in your body from yeah. one end to the other, that's a yeah. pretty big hole to have. Mm. Yeah, so that's what, that that was the, the impact. Um, and then I've obviously pulled it out. What happened next um, was due to the poor weather conditions, um, they couldn't get an ambulance out to me for over an hour. So um, they tried, obviously, what you call HEMS, you know, the helicopter service. Mm. They couldn't lift because of the poor weather conditions. Um, All regular ambulances, despite the level of emergency, were all tucked up and they couldn't get out to me. Um, First people on scene were uh, a solo medic fire service and the police Mm. Um, and it was that lot that helped save my life Um, so yeah I then proceeded to I was in the car um, for over an hour while they stabilized it and obviously the fire brigade lover roof didn't know to come off so that came off yeah it's got to come off with the Um, fire brigade lover roof off didn't they so that that had to come off they stabilized it 
Um, and yeah, I was there for over an hour waiting for a proper ambulance to then take me to a hospital because no one mm. else could because of my condition. Um, and then again, I don't remember this, but they're saying that at some point I've turned around and was touching where the impact was and I'm going, oh, I can feel something moving. So I'd obviously put my, <laughs> I don't, this is what I've been told. I don't remember this um, and stuff like that. Um, that would be your heart probably then. That was probably, I touched my own heart. Oh, uh, <laughs> this is a podcast about trauma <laughs> recovery. Okay. This is, this is the lead up to it. Um, I'm not here to scare people on Halloween. Uh, uh, yeah, so that's what this is what I was told. Um, and then as obviously in that situation, again, as I call it, I had to be, you know, jump started twice at the oh, scene. So you died. Um, is that what you're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Um, flatlined is what you call it. Yeah. And so I had to get the old um, jump starters out and put the, put, the, put the jump leads on and get me get me done twice oh. at the scene. Um, eventually... Yeah, obviously they did get an ambulance to me and I was taken to the Derbyshire Royal Infirmary Hospital where um, they got a consultant, emergency consultant down from Nottingham, uh, Mr. Morgan. Uh, and uh, yeah, they worked through the night and well, here I am. Well, you still remember his name as well, this surgeon. Yeah. Oh there. yeah, I don't think I'll ever forget, forget that. Yeah. Well, he's a specialist in dealing with that kind of I assume he's retired now, but he was um, a thoracic, so the chest area, thoracic consultant surgeon, yeah. so the specialist um, on call at the time, mm. funny enough. Um, and yeah, so he they couldn't fly him down. He had to be fast-roaded um, down the M1 or whatever they came, or wherever, to the DRI, um, where he then operated through the night. Um, yeah, bloody hell. Stuff. Yeah. Now, now I know it's been a while since I heard this story, but this this shows how how impactful this story's been for me because I still remember you saying that if that post had been a little bit different or a little bit different place, it could have gone yeah. wrong. So, what was the measurement yeah. of of it going from survival to not survival? Two millimeters. Oh, so two I millimeters. Yeah. So I went the whole to skip ahead of all the hospital mm. bits and coming out and recovery to an extent when I'm up and about and that to go back. And I saw Mr. Morgan with my parents and that, and he sat there and he said, um, there's no medical explanation. I think why you're still alive. He said, given all the injuries you sustained, you shouldn't be here. Something has kept you alive. He goes, the post scratched the pericardium of the heart um, and if it had been two mil in, that would have should would have been an instant wipeout. It's so when you say that that very technical word there, it's a, you're saying it scratched your heart. Now the pericardium is the protective casing around the heart. Right. So it's yeah. like um, an outer skin, a protective mm. outer skin, and it scratched the pericardium. Wow. So missed the actual heart muscle. It scratched the pericardium. So that's very, very, very close then. Real and close. It, it, I bet he was just looking at you as if to say how you even here. Plus, plus I went over, through over 20, um, 20 units of blood. God, blimey. You are one tough bastard. <laughs> <laughs> tough? Lucky, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, mate, but that's amazing. And um, and did you... Did you um, do you lose a lung as well, didn't you? Or half a, half yeah, a lung so, as well? 
yeah, injuries afterwards. Um, I lost um, the majority of my left lung. Mm. Um, scratched, as you say, or scarred now the pericardium at the heart. Mm. Um, I shattered six ribs front and back, broken clavicle, um, collarbone, and um, shattered my shoulder blade as well. Now, before we go into the mind, I must say how impressive it is knowing you from not knowing you from from many years ago, um, not knowing any of this to start off with. How fit you are, nat- sort of naturally. Or, you know, you're quite a fit guy. Did you have to work? Did you have to do this or keep yourself your fitness up? Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think what I noticed more so a little bit, quick bit of history is before mm. my accident. I was a smoker and a drinker. Don't get me wrong, I still have a drink. Yeah. Um, but I was a smoker. I was an absolute plonker. And I smoked 20 a day, maybe more, maybe less. Who knows? I don't remember mm. that. Um, I thankfully can say I haven't smoked since the accident. So yeah. I'm not a smoker. But I, I had smoked. So afterwards, um, and when I was getting back out, this was just, it was still, you could still smoke in pubs then. Yeah, oh yeah. It feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? It is a long time, but I do remember going back into a pub when you could still smoke. Yeah. And I couldn't, in some pubs, I couldn't stay in there because I couldn't breathe. And and that is because of like your cardiovascular. And then I had to work on my fitness levels. I had to get my Mm. fitness levels up um, better than they ever would have been or were before, just so I could have a I don't know breathe healthily or whatever you want to be be fit and stuff um so I had to work on my cardiovascular and I still do to an extent mm. if I sat around I know it's the same for everybody but I would deteriorate a bit quicker than most yeah because I haven't got the capacity to um my left chest wall even though they say is part of a lung left because of the way my rib cage and my left is all deformed for where the bones were shattered it doesn't um come compress and it and decompress correctly um so i'm reliant reliant on my right side to do all the work so if i sat around doing nothing it's harder to recover because i haven't got two sides to to use normally and stuff yeah Wow, it's amazing mate it's absolutely amazing really i mean what you've gone through and, and how you've adapted as well you're, you're talking to a like a living miracle, really, isn't it? And obviously, you've got your two beautiful kids as well. Yeah. You know, all you know, as time's gone on, not only have you you've made it, you've also managed it. You know, you had two wonderful kids, so yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it, it it's a beautiful to see this timeline as well and where it's taken you from that tragic accident. Yeah, no, you know? yeah, no absolutely, absolutely. So, so how did you? So you said you can't remember anything, but you know you had to suffer PTSD and flashbacks and things like that. Was there anything you needed to do mentally to to recover from this? Yeah, so not long after the accident, so a little bit more. Mm. Had the had the obviously you had the accident. You've heard about that. I was then in intensive care. Um, in a coma or an induced coma um i eventually came out of the the coma and went into the the different wards um and stuff like that um but something that happened from there was um 
in intensive care, I had to have a, um, I forget what you call it now. Uh, long story short, I had a ventilator in the throat. Yeah. For, and it's called a Tra- tracheotomy. Tracheotomy, tracheotomy, yeah. tracheotomy, tracheotomy yeah. So when I come around in intensive care, you can't talk. You can't mm. speak unless you put your thumb over the hole, which is a very oh, weird, horrible thing. Oh, to do. yeah, I bet. I remember being incredibly frustrated. Um, and I remember family and friends being there who couldn't understand me. Um, what I was trying to say and stuff and I think I even remember throwing things in frustration like a pen because I was given a whiteboard and a pen Mm. or paper and I threw stuff in frustration so that was almost like a a starting point and then I was obviously my parents took me back home and started recovering Um, but I was really um, angry Mm. I mean, many people might say, yeah, because I'm a fiery redhead. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I was, I was really angry. And I was at home um, back then with my parents and my brother, who were all just fantastic. But I I was angry. I was snapping mm. at silly, silly things. That's trauma, that's trauma right there, isn't it? That's and just, that's one is. of the, the, but the reactions. I, but I couldn't, having never researched anything mm. about psychology, the mind or anything at the time I didn't know people were saying um it's the drugs obviously I was on a lot of medication it could have been side effects I've never been convinced it was that Mm. or at the time I wasn't convinced that medication would do that and as I know it now it didn't um but I was angry frustrated snapping biting and and, you know I probably said some probably nasty nasty things to family and friends back then um and as that went on um and i think it was probably was my mum in the end she's a very tolerant Mm. woman of me and she knows me well obviously Mm. i think she probably turned around and said right that's it enough's enough get your ass up the gps and talk to them and i did and i was referred for cbt therapy um cognitive behavioral therapy i think that's what it's called I, i don't remember too much about it whether that's because I don't think it worked or because mm. back then it was too soon to do it or yeah. I, didn't, I didn't engage with it or the therapist. I, and so I don't actually remember too much about it. Mm. Um, I remember trying to talk about things a bit like um, with a psychologist or at uh, the CBT therapy acted like a psychologist. Mm. Um, but other than that, I don't remember too much. Um, but then that also led on to... to you know, flashbacks at night uh, where I would wake up in sweats and, and sometimes just wake up shouting angry. Um, sometimes I'd, I'd be crying um, for whatever. And I don't remember now what it was. Yeah. I remember going through it, but I don't remember the dreams, if you will, or the flashbacks. And they must have been of the, the incident or of how it could have been. Mm. Um, and the, the flashbacks... Some it's like you could say could have been attributed to the medication. I don't, I don't, I still don't believe it. Some of them may be. Well, um, it could well happen, mate, couldn't it? Because if it's still there, you, if your brain has trauma, it's basically it's an unprocessed, isn't it? An unprocessed traumatic event. And and when you're asleep, fortunately, that's when it decides to kick us in it when we're asleep and wake us up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And all... I think that's you've just hit on something there, and it's about something that isn't processed. Mm. 
and I think, and probably even to this day, I'm, I still, I still suffer. Mm. Um, I think to this day, because I don't remember or I can't remember, I can't process it properly. Yeah, that was that was a question I was going to ask actually, which I didn't, I didn't know if it's not question. Like I'll ask anyway because that's what I do. <laughs> but um, if you had a choice. I don't know. I don't even know if you can answer this, answer this question. But if you had a choice between re- recalling the events or having it like you have now, and that's not been able to recall it, would you would you think that you'd probably prefer to remember exactly what happened? No, I can no. answer that because yeah. I've done a lot of thinking on that. Yeah, I've done a lot of thinking on that, and then I've I've spoke to my wife, I've spoken mm. to friends, and spoken to my family about it. And lots of people say, why would you want to? Yeah. And then I'll say, because I don't know. I've got, mm. it's like I've got a, a, a jigsaw puzzle and I've got a piece missing. Yeah. And I want, I've got a need to f- put that puzzle together. But I've done lots of soul searching, lots of deep thinking on this and research um, and stuff and looking and trying to communicate. We are people that have been through, mm. I can't say similar. Um, but traumatic events and this is one of those times where I have to say this is a jigsaw puzzle that won't ever be solved Mm. wow I've got to to, I I can't go you know almost use hypnotherapy or other therapies to try and recall because you know I just I don't want to because I don't know I've dealt with it up until now or up until Mm. the, the points of and I'm happy where I am with it Exactly. I'm happy, I'm happy not knowing now. I mean, it was, it, it was tough to get there. Because you're in a, I mean, if, if you, you, you're in a good place right now, you're a good place. Yeah. Just, yeah. So, yeah, so okay. what I would say is you're, you're probably spot on there. You know, what, it'd be just more, would it be probably dangerous to go and dig something up, which at the moment, it, does it serve a purpose to do that? No, but, I, you know, that the way you describe that, you know, a puzzle that won't ever be solved. What a yeah. way to describe it. Don't get it. me wrong. That's not for everybody. Mm. That's not for some people. Uh, I mean, I, and I can't answer answer for other people, but I imagine for some people, in their the the things they go through in life, they might find and get to the pollution where they need to complete it. But for me yeah. personally, I, it, I'm I've made my peace with it, if mm. you will. Yeah. Um, that I don't want to. I don't want to recall it. I'm yeah, happy I, to to be informed. I've read, I've got newspaper articles. I've still got the originals about uh, uh, and stuff, and I'm happy to leave it at that. Yeah, and I agree with you massively about how some people, you know, need closure for certain events, yeah. especially when like it could be a who done it, you know, who's responsible, those kind of things, those traumas. Some of these just need answers, and that can really plan on people's heads. That can be traumatic itself, you know. Just uh, it is and uh, yeah, like you said, you know, these, these flashbacks, things like that, and 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 part of that unprocessed memory trauma it just floats around the mind, attaching itself to the nervous system. And and again, you yours came out with an aggression, but sometimes it can come out as as a, as just not being able to move or get up, or sometimes it can be just to escape things. But yeah, our reactions are different. And yours came out as aggression, but you know, you went through CBT, and uh, you know, whether that worked or not on different views on CBT regarding trauma, who knows? But um, you sound like you you, you found some things that, that really worked and uh, and got yourself in a good place, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm all I'm all I'm all good now, and I think 
I don't know. I can't say one singular thing occurred that made me be okay with it. Mm. It was, you know, I put it down to experience and years of experience of maybe, maybe this is right or wrong, of suffering through the the emotions, suffering through the events to get to where I am now. Maybe I mm-hmm. shouldn't have done. Maybe I should have tried something else or something different. But hindsight's mm. only great if you've got it. Yeah. Um, but I, having gone through it, I feel better and more confident in my decision not to have recorded it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm well, quite happy to... and subject to everyone else and their the incident they've been through my mm. advice would be not to not to go through it ask yourself look inside why do you want to yeah you know, what, if what you can you... answer that at, mm. and you've happily then yeah then do what yeah. you need to but for me having gone through that it was a case of yeah um, why, why dig up the pain if you don't need to sort of thing yeah exactly and, 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 and was, a good therapist should know that as well you know and, it, and it's about risk as well because mm. As they say, yeah, and they're saying opening a can of worms, isn't it? Yeah. And I, and I'm just no, I'm in a I'm in a great place right now, and I don't need a can of worms opening up. Well, I was going to say, mate, you, you you survived defence post through the chest, mate. I, I think, think that's enough. I think that's enough. <laughs> I also think that you must you must you you're Mister Invincible, aren't you? Really, I'm surprised you don't play next Superman. Really, I mean, come on. Wow, well, you know, but, yeah. I gave breaking, it up. A, <laughs> breaking a chair. And then pulling a post out of your, your chest and then putting your fingers in a hole and feeling something moving. I mean, come on. That is... Yeah, I think I described it different to putting fingers in a hole and feeling something moving. But, uh, that is, no, that's... I think that's what you said. <laughs> Put your hand in your chest. Or maybe I did. Yes, yeah, so I put my hand on my chest and felt something moving, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, so... Yeah, I, well, yeah, exactly, yeah, I mean... Well, Steve, it's inspirational, mate. I must say, and uh, and and you've you've just done so well, haven't you? In life, twenty-one years old that happened, and uh, I'm very privileged to have met you way many years after that event, and got to uh, got to meet you. And I'm glad to have, have had you here today, Steve. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, I think we'll leave that there today. I think you've given the listeners enough for them to be thinking about. And I'll tell you something: if they've had a bad day. This podcast, this one here, right here, they're going to be thinking, <laughs> is it as bad? Is it as bad as having a fence post for the chest and it, spending that time in hospital and all that? Probably not. It could, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. Exactly. Exactly. So, guys, I'm going to leave it there. So, episode one of the Impactor uh, podcast uh, with your host, myself, Ian Q. I'm a, hypnot- I'm a hypnotist and specialise in trauma, working with trauma patients around the world using fast, rapid techniques. And I was joined here by the amazing Stephen Willey, and he is an up-and-coming, amazing executive coach. You can find him on LinkedIn under the name Stephen. That's with a V-E-N at the end. Uh, Willey, W-I-L-L-E-Y, Stephen Willey. Um, he's a good looking fellow with glasses as well um, and he'll have executive coach under his name so hook him up if you want that uh, guys thanks for listening and I hope to, to see you guys at the next next podcast so impact to trauma recovery check it out